Welcome to the Working Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Erskine. Come along while I interview the top handlers and clinicians around the world while hearing their stories of both failure and triumph and get their view on what it takes to have a good working dog. Welcome back to the Working Dog Podcast. I'm Allison Erskine, your host, with your co-host, Laura Culligan. Today we are interviewing Jared F. from Saskatchewan, originally, yes. right? Originally Manitoba. Originally Manitoba? Yeah. Where in Manitoba? Uh, close to Gladstone. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself since you're doing that much. <laughs> sure, that's fair. Yeah, yeah I, I grew up in Gladstone, or in Manitoba, up until late teens, and then I moved to Alberta for six or seven years, and that's where I met my wife and got married and was working at a, a bit of a dude ranch there for seven years, and then, uh, yeah, and then since early 2000s, we've been in Saskatchewan. Yeah. When did, uh, so let's start with your dog career then, how did you, sure. what made you get into How did that? that get started? Yeah. Hey, so all credit there goes to, when we were in Alberta, we were at Sundry, or just south of Sundry, and, uh, and my horseshoer was, is a fellow named Murray Young, that was there, and he'd been running dogs for quite a long time. And I was actually at his place driving a team of horses. He was breaking a team of two-year-old Belgians. And he said, Jared, come for the first drive. So sure. And uh, after that, we went in for coffee. And, uh, and there was a message on his phone. I remember he pressed the button to hear the message. And it was some guy wanting to buy his last pup. And then when he hung up the message, he's like, well, I don't know if I want to sell this pup to that guy. So you're getting married in a couple weeks. Why don't you just take a wedding gift? So I was like, perfect. And that was my first exposure to a border collie dog. Didn't have a clue. And uh, so that kind of got us rolling. Yeah. And, and you had no experience with sheep before that? No, none. None with sheep. It was just, just horses and cows. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And primarily horses at that time. And so this pup was... Uh, kind of kept getting bucked off horses all winter because he'd be in heel and young horse that you're riding and and then uh murray said well you better start coming over and getting this dog circling some sheep and so he kind of mentored and schooled on me a bit you know once a week every every week all through the winter kind of go there in the morning and work this dog and yeah so he kind of got my interest going and then it grew to a few more dogs that and was kind of your foundation that was it yeah yeah so where'd you go from then did you get a shepherding job or it just became a, more of a hobby for a little bit or right like it quickly became a passion but not really having a great outlet for it like um like i say i was i was working at a at a dude thing so just leading a lot of trail rides riding some young horses and uh driving teams and it was kind of a six and a half day a week deal um so i'd use the dog when and where i could and a neighbor with a bunch of sheep and so kind of get an outlet there but but then shortly after moved to medicine hat area went to working on a feedlot there and then was able to start using the dogs and uh, acquire another one and try another one and i really really enjoyed what kind of captivated me was i've always enjoyed driving horses and as a kid we drove welsh ponies and showed them all over the place i've always enjoyed that and what i liked about it was the fact that you're behind an animal you're how many feet behind and you just got these lines of leather that you're communicating with and it seemed like a real cerebral game as opposed to a physical force game right like the them or them two drafts in front that you're feeding with they gotta actually be liking you and listening to you and there has to be a level of camaraderie and teamwork and i quickly realized with the border collies if it's done well and right there's far more psychological than there really is physical training and that intrigued me a lot allison and that got me really like liking this and thinking well what direction can this all go right like how cool can this sort of relationship go where this dog's working 400 yards and willingly 
doing as asked, but totally loving its job and never turning into a slave. Yeah, and that, that was kind of my That's kind intrigue of, of it. Yeah, your big part of training is more the psychology part of it, right? I enjoy that. Yeah, when did you kind of make the break, your first breakthrough to a dog and you're like, oh, it's actually more mind over body? I would say, so just to backtrack a bit, we moved to Saskatchewan in 01, winter of 01. I think it was New Year's Day, which is a terrible time to move to Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> like 36 was the high, I think, yeah. or something. But, um, and so we moved there. I thought, oh, you know, I'll just get a job sitting on horses or working at a feedlot or doing something I'm used to doing. Well, that, that environment is not the same as in Alberta, like or at least not where we were. And so I had to get a real job. And, uh, and so as I was doing that, I was still working my dogs in the evenings and uh, doing a job that wasn't necessarily my passion. But... Uh, but coming home and doing what I liked. And I remember it was probably April, the days were getting a little longer, and I come in for late supper, and my wife said, is this gonna be like every day? And I said, well, what does that mean? Like, you're gonna come home and go work dogs, and I'll see you when it's dark? I said, probably, yeah, like, <laughs> it's kind of working out. And she said, well, maybe you gotta find a job where you can work with your dogs again, because that's clearly all you wanna do. Yeah. And so, uh, so I would say it was, it was um, just a gift from God. We had a fella in the community talking about how there had been some um, a bit of controversy with some of our public areas, hiking areas, with people with the conservation organization using chemical and stuff for weed control and people hiking and walking their dogs weren't appreciative of it. And so uh, it became a real simple idea to say, well, maybe we can bring in goats or sheep and maybe there's a way to do this. That would also you know, allow me to kind of be shepherd and work with my dogs, but also get a job done. So actually warrant a paycheck. And um, they were super open to it that first year. So we did a little sample project and that year, so I was milking cows, I think night shift. And then, so I get home about four in the morning, by 5.30, I'd have a flock of sheep walking a mile to this spot. Oh. I'd bring them home at 6.30, be back in the milking barn by 8. Oh. And yeah, like she was a little touchy. I slept under trees a lot of the day. Oh, yeah, okay. but it was just a great opportunity though to, to just try this out and see, could this work? And at the end of it, we kind of had a review with it and they were thrilled and it turned into 16 consecutive years of, I shouldn't say consecutive, 16 years over an 18 year period. I was sick for a couple um, of, uh, of being able to do that with them and with other organizations. So. Yeah, it worked out well. You did, uh, a, was it, you were gathering some deer? Off yeah, island? yeah, we had some neat opportunities, yeah. right? Because as, as, as we work these dogs, really, they're not born to be, in my opinion, they don't grow up wanting to be a sheep dog or a cow dog. Or like, they want to hunt. The good ones want to hunt. And that's why we see the good ones, in my opinion, a real capable dog um look different than a less capable dog like we're going to see the tail down we're going to see a serious posture their whole mindset's going to be locked in and they're not jacking around right to them this is super important probably more important than it is to us a lot of times as to how it gets done and so them dogs really they're they're working not off of a training regiment they're working off of a desire to hunt something and uh and with that the thrill they get is is from as they approach something hunting having that animal move off or that group of animals leave them that's the fix they get and so really if you got a dog like that that's super hunty instinctually we can apply it to any prey be it cows goats sheep yeah. right and deer yeah so one time the opportunity came available to go to the for um national parks canada national parks they acquired or took over a piece of land just south of alaska and then queen charlotte islands they call guayhanas and they were doing a project to try to remove deer off some islands. And so yeah, Christine Job and I had the opportunity to be flown up there. And it was a wonderful experience. Each brought two dogs. Lived, cool. 
Yeah, I lived on a float camp, had a personal cook out there, oh. and it just, yeah, we're just herding so deer. So the dogs you brought there, yeah. those are the ones, were they kind of more finished dogs? Were they kind of like green, or were you just like, you know what, you don't have anything, let's go chase some deer? They were pretty broke, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of picked through them pretty good, also not yeah. knowing what I was gonna, what we were gonna be into at the other end. I thought, we don't want to just make everybody mad the first day yelling at dogs, so, <laughs> so they were two, and I was coming right off a shepherding project where they'd been out about 100 days working. Yeah, so I brought two, kind of mature dogs, my Brin dog and my Rex dog. Yeah, yeah, it How turned out to be a good dog? choice. How'd you get her down? It was good, they didn't love the boat rides as much, but uh, <laughs> they were actually pretty awesome. Once they figured out we were working deer, yeah. what was tricky is in them big cedar forests, like there's a lot of moss and there's a lot of, like I just would die trying to climb over this stuff. <laughs> so like, when you caught a glimpse of a deer, you had to really stay on it, cause you weren't gonna hold on to it long, but it worked good, it worked yeah. good, we got her done. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah it was I lots like of fun. Have I worked there? No, no, it was kind of a one term gig. They, um, <clears throat> it was a conservational project. They were putting a pile of effort and money into try to, the ultimate goal was to get, uh, there was a, a really large rat population on a couple islands yeah. and they wanted to remove those rats. And what they found was, was they had to get the deer off before the poison they'd use was going to be effective. And so, because the deer would end up eating the poison, and then uh, what happens is, so the rats eating the poison, they eat the dead deer, and then by the time the poison is no longer valid, you know, in 28 days or whatever, as it degrades, you have a rat population stayed alive with deer carcasses. So we had to get the deer off, and then, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So there's that. Or hire Hey, I'm all for the second option. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You're shepherding. Yes. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. What's your day-to-day -day look like? Right. So that's kind of depends on the particular year, Allison, and the season, and, and what contracts you take. Um, the largest, I haven't really specialized in really big ones. I, th I think they're, they're wonderful. I've kind of, um, in the last eight years, kind of gone to more pointed, really prescriptive projects. And, and just such that they're shorter periods of time. Um, they're far more discriminate and have to be really particular the way you do them. So like for an example, the largest piece of land I was on was 25,000 acres and we had 840 sheep and 300 and some goats. And, and so there, I mean, shucks, you turn your critters out and you shepherd them and there's lots of spurge to eat and, and it's great. These other ones are all urban. They're, they're in city limits. They're usually governed by, by the city of Saskatoon is the lands being managed by. So it's public access. So it just is a whole different program. So short, smaller number of sheep, but far more precise. Very stimulating that way because you gotta get a job done, but you gotta do it without getting in a wreck. And right, and on 25,000 acres, you've got room and you've got a lot of variances that just ain't gonna happen. Like you got coyotes and such. Well here you got teenagers and you got people on bicycles, you got German shepherds. Like there's a lot of, a lot of stuff you're just not in control of. Um, so as we've gone with that, it's we've kind of tightened up our windows. I can't do 100 days of that mentally. Like so, we try to do them in about 30 days stints, bring enough sheep to get her done in 25, 30 days, and then you're home for a month training dogs and doing life, and and then you go and do another spot. You know what I mean? We kind of gone that road, and it's worked well. It's worked well. It's kind of opened an avenue to urban grazing, prescriptive grazing that really I'm not aware of having been done on any intense level prior. So it, we've been thankful for it. 
pretty feasible like for a sheep owner to do that? Yeah, I think so. So the way we do it is we only take um, open sheep, so only stuff that's already been weaned. And the reason for that is they're there to do a job. Their job is to graze what we've signed a contract to graze. And we've already done the research such that it's healthy for the sheep, they can sustain themselves on it, but there's no guarantee that they can milk and raise young on it or that the amount of walking we do in the heat will be good for the babies. So we'd rather, we insist on taking ones that are already weaned so the farmer, the producer has the lambs at home, that's his paycheck, and we're getting rid of the freeloaders for him. Yeah. And then I take them for 100 days typically, and so it might be 50 days on project, 50 days on my place, but either way, they're looked after for 100 days. Yeah. And I think it's great. The feedback is excellent. They come back really bending off a dog nice, but more importantly, they come back fit. And usually after those 100 days, it goes straight being bred. And, and feedback has been that they're, they're great at getting great numbers of, of twins and such because they haven't stood with their head in a bale all summer. They're fit, fit, fit. So they seem to cycle really well when they come home. Yeah. So why don't you like, tell us about the type of dog that you like to sure. use for that. Sure. Because you've got a variety of different kinds of sheep. They're not always... Yes, I love that. Yeah, yeah so, so that's the neat thing about it is, is the numbers of sheep change, the source of sheep changes. And so, so what I found, and you alluded to it a little bit earlier, Allison, so far as like the um, psychological part of things, working with a dog, what I found early with these grazing projects was, had some dogs I really enjoyed, and I still value them type of dogs, but they weren't the right tool for that job. You know, once the sheep figured them out after day three or day four, they'd be like, well, this one's pretty patient, you know? And, yes, or this one's quick to flank. You know, and so well, if we hold out, this dog will probably flank and get busy and we could probably graze another three minutes before we have to lift. And, and so that stuff I would have never, never did notice in small numbers, 30 or 40 sheep, you don't see that. But we've got a few hundred and you're out there 14 hours a day with them, you start noticing this stuff. And then you have another dog that at home or training on, you just haven't given much credit to at all because you don't want to learn, you don't seem to want to buddy up. And uh, out there, you're like, holy smokes, can this dog move sheep? Like, just absolutely, and he's doing nothing different. He's trying no harder, but for some reason, they will not hang around when this dog walks in. And that, those I found to be very enlightening moments. And, and so it was like, wait a minute, this ain't about Jared being a trainer. This ain't about, you know, the dog that Jared gets, this is about the dog that can do the job because I'm not gonna get paid if I don't get this ground covered. Yeah. And if I've got sheep running across the highway and through people's yards, I'm certainly not gonna get another job. We need a dog that the sheep will leave every day. The yeah. first day they jump off that semi and the hundredth day we load them on that semi, they have to believe that when this dog walks in, they bend. Yeah. And when they've got a full belly and when they've got an empty belly, they've got a, and, and you'll see a big difference like in 33 degrees or 13 degrees, them, them use will be totally different sheep, right? On 13 degrees, you can tootle in there with a dog with a tail in the air and they'll probably drift off. But when it's 33 degrees and they got a full belly, it takes a dog to lift them out of the bush. They, go, they do not, they hate heat. And so, um, you, yeah, just started to realize, you know, there are some dogs, I'm sure, that can get her done all the time, anytime. And as we experienced a few of those, they weren't always the most pleasant to train or the easiest to train. And, and often, in my opinion, not the most talented but they can move sheep. And I think of it as a vehicle. It's like, well, what do you want to do? I want to, I want to haul livestock around for a living. Okay. Well, you're not going to go get, you know, a Honda Civic because it's got no power, right? You won't be able to pull anything. Yeah, but I can get through the drive-thru. Well, then perfect. All you want to do is go through the drive-thru at Tim Hortons. That's a perfect thing. And I think the same thing. If you've got five sheep you want to trail around in a field, get that Civic, right? That'll work great for you. But if you need to haul the trailer, there's no such thing as too big a motor. Right, and, and I, I really feel that way in this world. Like, yeah. like for a work dog, we need the attributes of a work dog. 
we need the motor that can truly pull the load. Unless, unless we're willing to every time we go to work say, ooh, don't think I can pull that one. I'll leave that for the other guy. I'll wait for the light load. If we're willing to do that, then power doesn't matter. But if we want to be able to hook on any load, do any job that presents itself to us, which I want to do because life is short. I don't want to skip out on jobs because we don't have the dogs that can do it. Then there's no such thing as too much power. We have to adapt ourselves to now learn to work with that power because it's going to be different getting along with these dogs. And we'll have to have some give and take and forgiveness both ways, in my opinion, if we don't want to be tough and rough on them. Do you think like a lot of people um, just kind of where the breed's gone? Uh... A lot of the dogs out there are getting bred, you know, maybe specifically for trial or for that are easier to handle that, you know, I think that there's a type that there's probably a lot of dogs out there that get shot because people can't handle them. They don't know mm -hmm. how to train that type. Um, like, and that's what I really like about what you're doing is you're one of the few guys that are really putting them dogs to the test. And so do you think with the training styles right now that it's, it's harder, um, or maybe a lot of guys just don't know how to handle that type or how do you see that? I think, yeah, I think it's a preference thing yeah. in a lot of ways. Like, like there's certain types of dogs that I've worked for clients, excuse me, that aren't my own, but I've worked for clients that I probably not, or I don't feel like I'm connecting with as well or doing as well as someone else would do. Yeah. So I wonder if we might just have some preferences with, you know, what we value and, and mm -hmm. what we like doing. Um, yeah, like I, I would say like for myself, you know, a dog that's just naturally real flaky, real lateral around mm -hmm. stock, seldom have those dogs been ones that I gravitate to or that end up being the dog I want at the end. Yeah. Um, I want a dog that just with all its heart wants to move stock and is not inclined to move around stock. Because I'm thinking of it from the perspective of that, that cow or that sheep. Like when they're grazing and they're hot and they've been out there 50 days, they're pretty sure that they're, you know, part of the program can make their own decisions. And so if you've got a dog that approaches them, in my opinion, starts kind of tootling off to the left and tootling off to the right. If you think about that individual animal, you're staring at that dog and all of a sudden the dog left it and came back into her vision and left her again, went off to the side. Well, she stood there the whole time. She said, wait a minute, this dog moves off me. I don't have to move off this dog. Whereas that dog that comes straight in, it might take some tuning first, but they will learn that, okay, I move off a dog. The dog don't ever move off me. And, and, and so a dog that's real lateral, and often real balancing naturally and off its stock, seldom has that been the one that, that I want to take to work long term. Not discrediting it anyway whatsoever. Um, and for certain jobs, oh, you just wish that's the dog you had. Like on the trial field, you wish your dog had some meals. <laughs> like you just do, you know? But, but I think it is sometimes different tools for different jobs. And both are equally valued, but valued for what they can do. So and not it, to be devalued. Do not you to be find devalued. that it's a little tougher transitioning your dogs to the trial pen where they got to, you know, maybe come off their yeah, legs a little more squeaky? Yeah, yeah, I do. And, and, and part of that is, is, is there's different styles of starting a dog. And I think it's based on what our end goal is, right? Yeah. And so if our end goal is to have a dog that's real precise early in life, um, they have to be off their stock yeah. and they have to be moving around their stock and, and be able to position them and such. Um, and and I, I just, there are a couple of handlers I just stand in awe of, of how they can get every dog to flank so beautifully, so early and yeah. listen and love their job. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an artwork, it's miraculous. Um, myself, I'm kind of looking for the opposite. I'm looking for the dog that wants to rumble in and is almost waiting for something to say, no, I'm not gonna move to tune them. Not to do it again tomorrow, but to do it hard enough that it doesn't have to happen again. That yeah. that sheep's reprogrammed that, okay, I face a dog, it hurts real bad on the face, because that's what's there, not a back end, not a belly, that's all dirty. But it's what's fighting me, it's the face. 
And if they get a good one, for the next 100 days, that, that sheep does not stand to a dog, if done fair and well. And so I kind of a more, yeah, that dog has to be started, in my opinion, totally differently, yeah. if we're not going to diminish and be tough on it. I want to tell the story of your dog at that clinic <laughs> you're getting them to. <laughs> that's the same rascal that DQ'd me yesterday. Oh, <laughs> yes! <laughs> that's why I, la- I just about fell out of my chair laughing. He at held it in pretty good. Oh, so Jared was up here, and uh, uh, we we're still at Agribition here, and uh, and he is a lot of fun to watch. A lot of really nice dogs ran. It was a great trial. The sheep were a little bit tougher, though. And uh, But back to the first part of the story where Jared came out to um, Beachy for this clinic, and we had these sheep of the neighbors, and I don't think they've ever seen a decent dog. Like, maybe they had a poodle around there but they were, they were horrible, like just horrible. So everybody brought their half-baked pups and there was really nothing there with any salt. And uh, so Jared unloads this, this pup and uh, it's kind of a like big, like, lanky thing. Gangly looking. Gangly looking and ugly as hell. Like, <laughs> That's our specialty, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jared will <laughs> make the, the ugliest dogs out there, but my God, they're like Navy SEALs. And so uh, anyways, this dog goes out and there's this old you and and uh, she just skunked like through the dogs in the clinic and so he unloads this and he's like yeah I haven't really worked this dog much I'm not really sure what it's going to do and so he just lets it out and, and this dog just rolls across the bed like just like down and like just had the look of death in his eyes and but just calm as hell and he walks straight up on this little view grabs it by the face and holds it down <laughs> just like just body slammed it <laughs> just body slammed it but graceful and just so quiet but and then yeah. just held it there and then Jared just gave a nice little whistle and the dog came off and Jared's like I can't believe it actually let it go but <laughs> she's still laying there and then all of a sudden like there's a little kick and it, it gets up and then scrambles off and he's like that one's fixed <laughs> and so ever since then we named I always the called fixer. the dog the fixer well this fixer was that was the one he ran yesterday, and this the one that, that clinic when I was there too. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, dog. big stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I get it there too, actually. Yeah. yeah, he's really good. He he's uh, that's his gig. Like he he really he loves to engage something that wants to engage him, but he knows the rules. He knows he can't unless they stand to him, and so so he looks for the one that's gonna stand, and he knows he's probably he's only being brought out him. if there is something that's been standing. <laughs> yeah. So he comes in already, kind of looking for war, <laughs> and uh, but what I find what I find with them brains is. Uh, like let's say one of the Kim. So the other dog I had here yesterday just had a freak situation happen. I've just yeah, never seen it happen. To, not oh. to we'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah, but brother. but he's yeah. a three quarter brother brother to this guy, and equally as strong in my I've never seen anything face him yet, yeah. and so he don't have to tune on nothing. Um, they just move, but he can't fix him either because I because of that. So I put him in and off that bud dog, and stuff just turns, and he's graceful and polite but always moving and and if they don't move they get a hit and if they're not moving quick enough they get a hit but 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 the, he just has a way and so if you're working sheep that you're preparing for someone else's dog or for young dogs I can't do it because with him because he goes and he turns them and I'm like oh they're good I put away bring another dog and they stand and fight that dog yeah it's just him yeah whereas this other rascal um, he kind of scares them bad enough that they're scared to turn off them because they're like, I can't trust you. I'm not turning. And then he's like, perfect. Then he knows he's allowed to have the head. Yeah. And so I, the struggle I have with him because he's so inclined that way is that um, 
with some dogs you'll see like let's say they're running along a fence a sheep are you can flank your dog that uh, like quite a few dogs we can watch they're just so graceful and you flank and, and the sheep will go the other way you can flank we can oh you overflank do it again you can do it 15 times those sheep can run back and forth i've got like two to three turns in a sheep with this dog if i mistime it they're like okay that option's gone and with fear and, and total concern for their life they turn and go the other way and i flank them there to cut them off and they're like, okay this this option's gone and now they're locked up. Mm-hmm. And it happened yesterday going to the shoot. We were doing well, but to the shoot, I cut them off one way, I cut them off the other, and, they, and then they wouldn't turn. They're like, we got nowhere to go. We're gonna stand here and, and die, yeah. fight to death. And, and so that's where that, that combative, I mean, I'm gonna call it, I don't know what we want to call it, but that, that's where it can get you a little in trouble because it will get them worried enough in a small group yeah. that they're like, I can't afford to turn off this dog. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this could be the end of me. Um, that's a downside of a small group. On a big group, it's a blessing. You roll forward and everything just, yeah. 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 But you, sure you don't have the forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, got that, that yeah. one blocked up and then he was committed to fixing oh, her, but he was, was not going to leave that arena until he finished moments. her. Yeah, yeah and, he was, and I laugh so hard when you come out too because you're like, he's like, I said, Jared, that one's fixed now too. He's like, ah, but. For the next know, guy. Yeah. And then he's like, I tried to call it off and the dog did. Like, this dog stuck to that chief's face around, a whole round around the arena. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah. I think they gave it stitches later. Yeah. <laughs> it was all in the face, it was all in the face. It was in the face, it yeah. was, yeah, it was fair game. It was so, solid. But Jared's like, you know, I, I put on a show calling that dog off. I knew he wouldn't let go, but I tried. I, he, I tried. Yeah, that's right. I knew it wasn't yeah. the crowd that felt sorry for that sheep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he knows his job. Like, like I do value that very much. A dog that just, just will they've never been presented the option they don't believe there's an option exists to turn off of an animal right. but you have to be careful with them like i almost got him killed at the neighbors with some cows one day because they were working some cows and they're like you know this just we're struggling with the it was a, it was a young dog and so we went and, and worked another one it went good mm-hmm. and i thought we're just going to test it with this dog though just to see when they're squared up and then and then one decided to try to go over top of him and he grabbed that nose and he won't let go until he just won't let go until that animal relinquishes mm-hmm. and when she relinquishes they usually like close their eyes shake their head then he'll let go because yeah. the job's done and and we conditioned that early um but but this cow was throwing them through the panels and had them kind of half hooked through a panel and smashing around and he just would not let go and so i've got to be careful i've got another one like that too i've got to be careful with him because the option of backing down has never been presented has never been offered, has never been looked for by them. So them are ones that absolutely will die doing their job because in their mind, their job isn't to run left and right. Their job isn't to, to look pretty. Their job is to dominate stock. And by the grace of God, they're willing to let you pull a brake and, and, and push a steering wheel once in a while. But the, in their mind, the way we're condition, reading them and then trying to condition them as opposed to train them is that your number one job is to have authority of what we put you in front of. And so, you don't ever give, if I go give you three flanks, I'm fine with that. But what I'm not fine with is you choosing to flank off of an animal. Like you're, does that make sense? Yeah. I think of it as a boxer, like, like a guy will say, well, you know, a dog don't bite, but heck, he's got courage. Courage? I'm sorry, but I mean, does a world-class boxer need courage? No, if you've got ability, you don't need courage. Mm-hmm. Courage is something we, in my opinion, a bit of an excuse we use when you don't got the ability, then you need some courage. But I want the guy who goes in there and, and is willing to throw a punch, not but dodge punches for six rounds, yeah. right? Like you need to go hundred percent. You have to go in there with the ability to finish the fight. And I think in the dogs, I'm not sure that we value that enough. 
in the work dog world. Um, we, we want ease of handling, we want prettiness, we want precision, which is all good. Let's, let's elevate ourselves, but let's not diminish our dogs in order to get it. Because um, at the end of the day, the, the, the predator has to have authority over the prey. Absolutely has to, or the whole system breaks down. Yeah. yeah. So how would you be able to, you know, stay on that fine line? Like, what would you do with that second dog that now you've got mm -hmm. that was going to hold on and, you know, maybe get itself in a bit of a situation? Right. How are you going to gauge that fine line and say, okay, this is when you have to stop, this is when you can yeah. keep going to not get yeah. yourself killed? Yeah, we're, we're not wanting all dogs to be like this. These, yeah. these couple are a little unique that way. Like that bud dog I was talking about, like, he'll work the same animal with none of the production. Um, he won't fix him for the next dog, but, but he'll certainly get her done. So that, that is the preference. The preference is the, the, the work where things aren't stirred up and upset, for sure. Um, we're all looking for that, really just quiet power. But, but as, just to backtrack a little bit to what Laura mentioned about the, the, this, this dog flipping that you. I mean, he didn't go in there and take the easy ones that were running along. Like, he knew his job yeah. was 100% to go to the, the biggest point of resistance, yeah. and that's the one to fix, yeah. right? He didn't entertain himself chasing, grabbing a back leg on the, on the good stuff. He went right to the one that was stomping and throwing her head. Um, that's what we want to see. Because then they know that they believe with all their heart they have the ability to work the toughest stuff and take authority. And, and I kind of, it probably comes back to my faith. As a Christian, I believe, like, in the Bible, things are very resolutely written to, to how God's done a lot of stuff. And in Genesis, he talks about how things were created. There's an order to them. And, um, and what part of that order is, is humans were given dominion or authority over, over the creatures and the critters. And there's critters that have authority over other critters as well. Predator prey didn't just happen. That was created as a design. And, uh, and so I think, you know, as a human, having influence over the dog, that's not to be done through any through any method that would be unscriptural well what would that mean well it talks about the fruits of the spirit being gentleness kindness patience long suffering such like that this can be done with being fair to our dog it doesn't have to it shouldn't physically hurt them it should be in a way that they understand and, and we we kind of group that as leadership right. leadership isn't suppression or anything like that leadership's actually you got to be going somewhere to lead you can't lead if you're standing still or turning in circles so we need to know where we're going, what we're trying to accomplish with our dog. And as we have that direction and go, we can pour our dog along with us. And I find that they are incredibly engaging to, to grasp that. Yeah. And because and, um, the only alternative with a, with a kind of a resolute dog that's pretty determined is to be tough on them. And you're going to end up with a weak dog. Yeah. I just haven't seen it happen where you don't end up with a damaged dog. So we may as well start with a weak one then. Right. But I think I think we can make you full circle as to how to, how to maybe work this type of dog a little differently than a different type is is through leadership.